Welcome to Money Talk with Tiff, a podcast where we discuss everything money from tips and tricks to current events. Follow me on my journey to become debt-free and meet other cool people along the way. I am your host, Tiffany Grant. Now let's talk money. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. Today on the line, I have Scott Perry. He is the founder of Sperry Media. Um, He has 20 years in the marketing game. Um, He does entertainment marketing. So if you're familiar with Rick and Morty, My Little Pony, BBC, CBS, Fox, Simpsons, Boondocks, X-Files, all those good things. He's worked on some projects with that. Um, He's author also a two-time author. Um, he has a book called Snapchat 101, which I probably need. And then create your own damn job <laughs> because I do believe in that as well. Um, he's a serial entrepreneur and I am so happy to have him on. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Fantastic, Tiffany. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh yeah, absolutely. So let's just hop right in. I mean, man, you're doing it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Every day. I mean, I grew up in Alabama poor as dirt so even during um elementary school middle school i was taking you know like candy bars and stuff i'd you know buy for a quarter and sell for 50 cents or whatever it took just to bring in some extra dollars you know Mm -hmm. so you know that's always been in my dna and as years went on i've had a corporate career and that was wonderful um but yeah 20 years ago during the dot-com bubble burst i found myself without a gig so i had to start my own business because there was nobody out there to hire me Mm. And, you know, through wonderful adventures and misadventures, it's been a, an excellent 20 year ride. But now I'm seeing those same patterns emerge for other people because it's, you know, I, I find like it's really hard for people to find a job these days. And uh, but the good thing is it's become more easier than ever for anybody to start their own damn job. And so I'm really encouraging others you know, rather than like wondering, like, who's going to pick me, pick me, pick me, just go ahead and like, do your own thing, you know, I mean, in in a measured tone to where you're actually able to bring in money and pay the bills and support your family. Absolutely. I feel like I say, like, have this conversation with people almost every single day. Like, (laughs) it is so, there's so many things that you can do to start your own business. And really it just boils down to what do you like to do? And then just turn that around and make some money. Um, But it just seems like people get stuck. Like, I don't know if it's fear or if it's um, imposter syndrome or what's going on, but it's like, they're like, oh, I really like to do this thing, but I I can't, or I don't know how, or how do I turn this into a business? And, you know, I'm sure same situation with you, you found something you like, and then you're like, hey, how can I make money with it, right? (laughs) Oh, 100%, you know, and the best thing about today's age is there's plenty of um, venues for just-in-time learning. Like you don't have to go to college anymore to become something, you know? Um, It's like, there's so many videos out there to where you can learn the craft or the trade that you want. And there's a lot of nuances with everything in, in association with starting your own business, you know, when it comes to permitting and licenses and taxes and all that stuff that can seem daunting, but when you just focus on the project itself, you know, uh, making a home-based business and figuring out how just the mechanics of how does that work and how do you make money doing that, you 
get the knowledge along the way to where you become more assured in the work that you do. Absolutely. I have this saying where if you wait until everything's perfect, you'll never start. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. Yeah, it'll never be perfect. Um, You know, even to this day, like, for instance, with Money Talk with Tiff, it has gone through so many different iterations. I've gone to so many different website hosting services. I've created and recreated and took down and put back up. There's been so many different things that has, that Money Talk with Tiff has gone through, but it brought me to this moment. And if I would have waited until it was perfect, you know, the website was perfect, you know, perfect scenario, perfect time, all that stuff, I wouldn't be where I am today. So hopefully that gives somebody some motivation to just get started. You can figure out the rest later as we did. <laughs> Yeah, oh, totally. And there's no one right way to do everything. But the good thing is now, no matter what you do, there are the tools out there to create this stuff on the fly. So if you're making a website, you've got a Squarespace. If you're making a podcast, there's platforms out there to do your recording and to chop it up and edit and post. You know, I mean, these things as little as five years ago would have cost thousands of dollars just to get off the ground. But now for, you know, a couple hundred, maybe, you know, you can at least test the water to see what works and what doesn't work. And if that doesn't speak to you, then find something else. If that doesn't speak to you, find something else. But it really is, it's never been easier to start a business from home to at least get the money coming in and, you know, find ways to support yourself, you know, whether it's, you know, taking a side hustle to turn it to a full-time job or, you know, doing this to supplement a current job you have, or, um, you know, just, uh, getting the training wheels off so that you feel confident leaving the job that you have so that you can take on something full time on your own. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, since I have a marketing guru on the line, of course, we're going to talk about marketing. right? <laughs> so I get a lot um, from people that when it comes to marketing, that is a serious pain point for entrepreneurs out there. Um, it, they don't know where to start. When I, you know, I ask people, well, who's your target audience? They have no idea. They're just like everybody, you know? (laughs) Oh, heavens no. That's crazy. No, I mean, the thing is, um, you know, when you're building something, you know, a business of any sort, you have to put in your mind, who is your target audience? Because yes, it can eventually be everybody, but for the purposes of sanity and for the purposes of you know, focus and keeping your budget down, you, you, you put in your mind what's called a buyer persona. Like, all right, I am going to sell this product to black women between 30 and 50. That's wonderful. Okay, well, who is this person? What does she normally buy? What does she watch? Where does she go? What are the pieces in her life and her ecosystem that make her happy? And then what product or service are you offering that can piggyback upon her pre-existing passions and likes so that, you know, if you're, you know, like, um, oh gosh, you know, I mean, so especially, and it really comes into focus with, uh, with, with, let's say Facebook ads, just because it's the lowest hanging fruit and it's readily available. But when you're building out Facebook ads, for instance, you know, you can like drill down to the absolute, you know, to, to as many, uh, 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 demographic points as you can. So if you want to reach, you know, women between 30 and 50 who live in Charlotte, 
uh, plus 50 miles, um, who are fans of, you know, Bridgerton and Grey's Anatomy um, and, uh, oh gosh, whatever product it is you're trying to sell, you know, you look at your other products in, um, in that marketplace and especially larger products with a larger following, they may have, you know, 500,000 followers on, on Facebook, which is a sizable audience that you can market to. And, you know, from there it develops itself. So, you know, it, and you, know, you can run ads for like, you know, 10 or $20 a day max um, to see if your ads are working. If the ads aren't clicking through, then, you know, you've got to work on your messaging or your, 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 your targeting, you know, because if you use a tool like Canva to create your imagery, or if you, even if you just use still photos or a homemade video, you know, a 30 second video explaining your product and its benefits, then, you know, you can, you can test this stuff every day going, am I reaching the right audience? And you see on the clicks, like if they're not clicking, okay, is it the audience or is it the message? And, you know, you test the message with the same audience, test a new message with the same audience. Well, then if it's not clicking through, is it, do I need to refine my audience? And then if they're clicking through on your website, you can get tracking information on your website if you've installed Google Analytics to see, all right, where are they clicking and where are they going? And if they're clicking something, if using Shopify, it can show you like, you know, card abandonment and stuff like that. It's like, all right, well, then if they've clicked to the point where they've got it in the shopping cart, then why do they not buy it? You know, and then there you can use like add-on tools like Clavio to do follow-up marketing with these people to go, hey, we noticed you left this in the cart. Do you want this? We'll give you a 20% discount. So there's so many ways to drill down on these things to get to where you want to be, but it all starts with the customer and figuring out who that customer is. And if you're not reaching the right customer, and if you're not reaching that customer, it's either the wrong audience or the wrong message. Now, I'm not gonna lie. I used to be one of those people where I'm like, I want everybody to know about money and I wanna teach everybody financial literacy. I don't care if it's a kid in grade school to adults, to people in retirement, everybody needs to know about money. But like you said, I had to kind of narrow it down because I can't be everywhere and do everything. Cause I was just burning myself out, not only burning myself out, but burning my pockets out as well. <laughs> yeah. So I had to kind of narrow it down. So now I have an idea of who exactly I'm talking to. Um, but then also I wanted to hit on, um, cause what I heard from what you just said was nail down who you want to target, go ahead and put it out there, then get into the data. So drill into the data and then figure out, okay, is this working? Do I need to tweak this, fine tune this, whatever the case may be, and then go from there. Am I getting that right? Yeah, yeah, because in the old days, you know, people spent $2,000 on a full page ad in the newspaper, and it's like, okay, well, did you, you, and you get no, you get no data whatsoever, you know, except for like the eight people that walked into your store that day, You're like, well, gosh, I just spent a lot of money, and I didn't get any much, any return, but now you can like, you know, it's, it's like you know, going to the roulette table. You know, you put a, you know, $20 on black and 20 on red and 20 on mm -hmm. 16, you know, and see like, all right, which one of these is working? And, you know, case in point, when I put out my first book, Snapchat 101 for adults, um, you know, I had two uh, audiences in mind. One, which I thought would actually work, would be uh, women of a certain age who lived in Nashville, Atlanta, D.C., Boston, you know, who are likely to, you know, be fans of, I don't know, let's say uh, Oprah and the Today Show, 
um, who have kids, you know, because I figured that like mothers would want to know what their kids are up to and have a handle <clears throat> on how to use Snapchat. And then the second audience was, you know, men between 40 and 50 who were fans of TechCrunch and Mashable and all these other tech gurus who might need to stay ahead of the curve um, on technology trends. So I thought the winning audience would be the women because they want to keep up with what their kids are doing. Turns out the winning audience were the, the, the old tech guys who needed to keep up with Snapchat yeah, as a trend. I'm like, well, I'll be damned. So I, 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 I diverted my money towards that audience. You know, it's like same spend. <laughs> I probably spent $100 that week on each audience. You know, it's like five mm -hmm. days, $20 a day, you know, getting the data, coming back to that, going, well, you know, and if, I even tweak stuff you know, along the way going, all right, let's change the message here. Let's see what's going on. But I saw that more clicks were coming through at a, at a, at a lower cost. Um, you know, based on uh, the information that I was getting back. And, you know, when you're running these ads, it's like, yeah, you can target the country, but that's going to be a waste of money because you really, you know, I mean, because you don't know really how far it's being spread out. And if you're targeting, um, the good thing is if you're targeting a market like Charlotte, surely the cost per click has got to be much lower than running ads targeting Los Angeles and New York. In fact, I don't even run ads in LA and New York because the competition for clicks in those, in those areas are so high that it's a, it's, it's, it's a waste of money. You know, I want to reach as many people as possible, but also want to do so cost effectively. And that's specifically why I didn't run ads during uh, the holidays as well, because the cost for your advertising leading up to Christmas is so expensive that it just makes more sense to start in January. You know, same thing with you know, same thing with political seasons. You know, it's like when you know, ad inventory is being eaten alive by all these political ads. You know, being paid for by packs that have more money, you know, than Jeebus to spend on you know advertising. It's like, all right, well, you know, <laughs> it happens. Yeah, you know? I mean, election cycles really affect your ad spend. Right. So that's a good point because I never thought about that. Um, thinking about you know when it's going to be a high. Um, ad season, we'll call it, um, and to kind of stay away from doing ads at that time to keep your costs low. I never thought about that. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, also, um, a lot of people are doing a lot of uh, partnerships, you know, trading off each other's uh, social followers to promote each other, you know, whether it's across TikTok, especially, you know, with influencers go nuts on this stuff. Uh, yeah, TikTok, Instagram, not so much Twitter where they're borrowing each other's audiences, maybe back in the day. Uh, you know, there's some co-promotion on Facebook, but it really is amongst influencers on, uh, on TikTok and Instagram, you know, stories and reels where people are promoting each other to build each other's audiences and products and stuff. So you get those cross promotions going on, you're trading out, you know, in some cases you have to pay influencers, but it's best, it's best if you have any type of a budget to run influencer marketing to target micro influencers who have fewer followers mm -hmm. and more engagement than it would be to yes. writing a blank check to Kim Kardashian for $2 million, you know, for a single post. You know, that gets you nothing. Right. So, you know, you just. <laughs> right. Because you have to think about it, like with all of these like big influencers, people are constantly going after them. And really the micro influencers, like I guess I would consider myself a micro influencer, maybe maybe a micro micro influencer. But it's like my following People are engaged. People love to hear what I have to say, you know, that type of thing. So, you know, I can definitely see that 
as a thing because you know with like celebrities and like big influencers you might come across a page oh that looks cool like and then you just keep scrolling but with the micro influencers you know people are commenting people are asking for links people are you know all types of stuff yeah so i highly highly recommend that that's a very good point yeah, I mean, I had friends last year who, um, you know, whose company they worked for had a fanny pack that uh, Reese Witherspoon and all of her girlfriends bought for a weekend outing. And yeah, it was flattering to get 10,000 likes on Instagram for that one post that Reese posted, but it didn't amount to sales, you know? I mean, it was like, mm. and it was, I mean, it was a serendipitous piece. They didn't push it on, on Reese. She just found it at a store and bought them all for her girlfriends. But, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things. You know, like I say in the book, it's, uh, you know, uh, if, if, you know, cause people think like if only celebrity X had my product, then, you know, then the world is done. It's like, well, you know, it's like, okay, getting Chrissy Teigen to talk about your Chex Mix is not going to send you through the stratosphere. <laughs> you know? Right. Cause I think what people fail to realize too, is that these celebrities are regular people. So they buy things all the time on a regular basis. And you don't know what, like, let's say for instance, Oprah ate this morning, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh yeah. And I hope that you've got, you know, there may be local celebrities in your own backyard who, you know, it's, you want to find the right people who can create the right word of mouth for you. You know, uh, there's always going to be that one influencer, that one doyen in the, in the, in, in your backyard, who's going to like be able to open doors, you know? Um, I mean, if you have a law firm, you know, you, you, you find people who can talk you up. I mean, yeah, you're running ads on the, you know, on the, on the evening news and you're running, you know, you've got the, the back of the phone book and all these other places where people traditionally look for, you know, uh, the, their law services, but you have to have good word of mouth to really get stuff going on that stuff too. So, absolutely, you know, and, and, and speaking of word of mouth, you know, using those tools to empower your customers to talk about you as well. It's like, you know, when you buy something, you know, like when you sell something on Shopify, you want to include a note going, Hey, you know, thank you so much for buying this product. Um, you know, here's a 20% discount on your next order so that you foster them to be a repeat customer. So you increase the lifetime value of that customer, but also, you know, maybe uh, offer a discount if they're like posting on their socials or like a $5 Amazon gift card or something, you know, because you have $5 to, you know, spending $5, to sell a $50 product is great if they have the right audience, you know, um, like, you know, like, uh, you know, those, those, those big heads that you see at the basketball games and stuff now, where, uh, you know, where people would hold up whatever, like the people that make those cutouts, you know, had that incentive when I ordered one of those, when I was running the marathon a couple of years ago, it was like, you know, we'll, we'll give you a $5 gift card. If you just talk about us on our, on our socials, I'm like, wonderful. You know? So it's like getting $5 back on, you know, this, this silly little $30 cardboard cutout I made of my cat's head to, to encourage me to keep on running at mile 20. So, you know, <laughs> right. stuff like that. And that's, that's a very genius point. Um, Cause now I'm over <laughs> here, like thinking about like our physical product businesses. Yeah. I'm like, darn, if I just offer, you know, a coupon or say, Hey, if you post, you know, make sure you tag us and, you know, you may be eligible for $5, you know, or something oh, like yeah. that. That's a genius idea. I'm over here taking notes, y'all. Um, oh, I yeah. hope you are too. <laughs> because I mean, every time you listen to a podcast, at the end of the podcast is like, hey, you know, if you like the show, 
review us on Apple because it's like all those reviews start stacking up. If you're like doing, if, if you're doing like sales on eBay or sales on Amazon, you want people to, you know, get you reviews because that sends off other signals as well. Like in the instance of when I had the first book, Snapchat 101, um, I got a lot of reviews and I got a lot of sales, which then clicked on Amazon's internal algorithms to where they started promoting the book for me. Like, yeah, I was, I was running my own ads concurrently on Facebook, but Amazon's a beast. Like when they find a, when they find a best-selling product, they are more than happy to spend a nickel to make a dollar. And they're really good at that. Like I'm okay with it, you know, but I'm only, I'm only limited by the amount of money I have to spend. But man, I tell you, you, you click on a product on Amazon and you leave it behind. That thing will haunt you for weeks until you click purchase. Right. You'll see banner ads, you'll get emails, you'll get, I mean, it's everywhere. So, you know, once you're in the good graces of, you know, of the platform that you're working, you know, their algorithms will pick up on those signals and do this stuff as well. Like when you're getting your multiple, you know, five-star ratings on, you know, Apple podcasts and stuff, you go up on the ranks, same with an app, you know, you get these five-star ratings and you go up on the list. It's really those little things that are like algorithmically generated go a long way, but, you know, but yeah, I mean, maybe, I mean, but, but to bring it back a little bit, maybe some of the stuff we're talking about is like too high concept for when you're just basically broke and you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills right now, you know? Um, and the thing you really need to look at is, you know, what can I do to pay the bills? What do I like to do? And if there's an intersection of those things, I mean, first off, it's like, you know, what I'm noticing now when we're approaching, you know, 20 million households who you know, are getting some form of unemployment benefits, you know, and these signals from the government and its inefficiencies, I mean, you can only go so far and waiting for these you know, checks to come in and on food stamps and stuff. So it's like, all right, what do you do to pay the bills? And you look at the lowest hanging fruit. It's like, hey, I've got a car, so I can do, you know, uh, uh, Uber and DoorDash and all these delivery services. Okay, that's one thing. Um, you know, you can start uh, finding stuff for free on Craigslist and reselling it on Craigslist or reselling it on eBay. Um, you know, you just look at the things that you can do. It's like, all right, I'm good at, uh, you know, teaching piano. I can charge, you know, 20 or $40 an hour to start teaching piano. You know, I'm good at health and beauty or food prep. So I can be a private chef or I can do, you know, massage work or mani pedis or whatever it is. You know, you start looking in your universe to see what products you have, what products you can make, or what services you can offer, you know, to the marketplace and start going from the micro of micro levels, you know? So if you're an electrician, maybe you can uh, get onto next door to tell people about your services or have people, you know, talk about you because, you know, the biggest word of mouth for a lot of uh, these home-based jobs is word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. It's, it's, uh, it's just one of those things, you know, because um, I've, I've been there before where it's like, you're just like, oh my gosh, I've got... In fact, my own business started because I had no other options. Um, you know, I went running away to San Francisco in 2000, you know, during the, during the whole uh, dot-com bubble. And then within a hundred days of me getting there, that bubble burst. I mean, it was a, it went from a party town to a ghost town in like no time at all. It was cold. And um you know, uh, when I got laid off from the company that I was working at, <laughs> they paid to move me from Alabama to San Francisco. And then they laid me off with half the staff a hundred days later. So I bought my laptop from them and took my severance checks and started my own online marketing company, um, on day one. 
Now, it wasn't until maybe the sixth week in that I found a vehicle that I could actually sell to other companies, but um, it worked. Uh, so basically, I was selling um, uh, promotional services to record labels to promote their new releases on about 50 independent music store sites on one fell swoop. And, you know, back in the day, these were places like Manifest and the Carolinas and, you know, Waterloo and Austin and all that. But basically, I was providing a service based on my um, uh, pre-existing connections because I knew all the record labels from a previous job. And I knew all the independent retailers from a previous job. So I was able to connect those two worlds and put myself in the middle of that marketplace in order to get paid. So the record labels would pay me to get their content on 50 store sites in one fell swoop. So the labels didn't have to do any work, the stores didn't do, have, to, have to do any work. I did all the work with my programmer and we created one of the world's first ad networks through uh, through JavaScript to get the, the labels contents on those store sites to promote those Nice, albums. nice. Now, just based on your story right there, I, ha I have two key takeaways that I just wanna drill in on for the audience. Um, the first one is sometimes you have to get uncomfortable to see the opportunity around you. So like, for instance, in your situation, you know, you got laid off, let go or whatever. And it was in that moment, you're like, crap, I need to figure out what to do. And so you had to leave your comfort, like your, you know, your job was comfortable. And once that comfort went away, it kind of opened up your creativity and it opened up your um, ability to see all the opportunities that you already had around you the whole time, you know? Um, and then also the second point that I got from your story too, was make sure you have a network, keep networking because you never know when you might need something and for what. So like all of those contacts and things that you had, you didn't know how it was going to be put together, but then all of a sudden, bam, look, I already have these people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing is when I was working at the dot-com job, I was already plugging into both those, uh, both those entities you know, to begin with, you know, the, the record labels and the stores. And I came to realize after the technology company fell apart, like the power was never in the technology. In fact, it was an MP3 technology before iTunes came around to make iTunes. But the power was always in the network. And it's like, all right, I've got a network of labels and a network of stores. And I can connect those and bring things together. Just like um, there are a lot of people who do a lot of broker, uh, they're, they're brokers for influencers. So it's like, yeah, they work with the Fortune 500 brands to find the right influencers for their product, you know, like where L'Oreal is like spending hundred thousand, five hundred thousand dollars to get the right influencers to promote their new, you know, their new eyeshadow line, whatever it is, you know, I mean, numbers that absolutely astound me in this digital age, which, yeah, it happens, but that's, that's not true to who I am. So I can't do that, you know, and I'm not, I'm not putting myself down by saying I can't, I'm just very aware of the cultural landscape and it's not something I a hundred percent buy into. But the people that do it are in it. They're making money like crazy. Um, and it's a wonderful thing for them. But, you know, to but for me to go into like all the, you know, the the ad agencies, the the brands and go, hey, I can get you all, you know, these, these, you know, these, these 14 year old kids to talk about your product. That's not my, that's you know, not my wheelhouse. That's not my DNA. So you have to understand like you know, what you can do 
And, you know, sometimes you have to suspend disbelief, you know, take away that imposter syndrome and go like, yes, I can do this. You know, I mean, those those words I can, you know, are, are very powerful. You know, it's like you, you, you block away that self-doubt and push forward, you know, because a lot of people will like you know, get very passionate about, um, you know, a product that they can make or resell or whatever it is. And they're like, they'll, they'll go through the process of opening an Etsy shop or a Shopify store or an eBay store. And like, you know, load everything up and then nothing happens. It's like, all right, well, you know, that's that's just part of business. It's like, all right, so if this is your roadblock, how do you get past the roadblock? Is the product you're offering the right product? Is the product you're offering going to the right audience? Are you sending the right message? Are you really showing the benefits of the product and how it can make somebody's life better? Is the product you have, is it, is it cheaper? Is it better? Is it in a crowded marketplace? I mean, like even before you open up your store, you can hop onto you know, Google to see what products are out there on Shopify. You can hop onto Etsy to see what products are out there. And you can you know, like really see like what's the demand for this product and it's at a crowded marketplace and how do I stand out from that marketplace? You know, so it's like even if, um, you know, you, you might not do well in the overall Etsy ecosystem if you promote everything locally and send people to Etsy to buy your product, then, you know, that can be the win for you because all business is local. People do business with people they like and they trust. And so if you can sell yourself to a local audience and then send them off to those platforms, then that's not a bad thing either. Um, but you, you just have to, you know, um, look, um, you know, look at the most obvious things and look at the most non-obvious things, you know? I mean, it's crazy. I mean, as, as an anecdote, I mean, it has nothing to do with everything, but everything to do with everything. It's, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, from time to time, I'd go to the post office in the afternoon to drop a few packages off. And I always saw these kids across the street, like, you know, basically shaking out these weeds. And I'm like, what the hell are they doing? They'd stuff them in a, in a, in a, in a priority mail tube. And then they'd send off like 20 of these a day. And I'm like, what is that? And finally, I, I looked at their labels and it's a company called Pompous People. You know, they sell pompous grass, which is, I don't know, it's a, it's, it's a big weed, but it's a decorative weed. And it's a big deal on Instagram. What? And they've got a lot of followers on Instagram. They've got a beautiful aesthetic. And they're selling these three thistles of pompous for like $65 <laughs> postpaid. <laughs> And you look at the number of units they've sold over the past year. I mean, even in this pandemic time, they've probably like grossed $150,000 just because they found a basic product that makes people happy, that people are willing to pay a premium for um, while they're hunkered down in these pandemic times. So it's just, you know, it's not the most obvious thing, but they found it. They've sourced a supplier for it. They've got a good story. They've got beautiful aesthetics. They've got a wonderful social following. They've got great word of mouth. And because of that, you know, they're probably selling 20 of these things a day. And that, you know, 20 a day times a 50 net, that's, you know, that's a thousand dollars a day. That does not hurt at all. So the moral of the story here, y'all, is opportunities all around you, but it's up to you to tap in. Um, you have to figure out what you can do um, to make some money and create your own damn job, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and bringing it back to the book, you know, you have to go, it's like, what do you do and what have you done for a living? All right. And so what have you done for a living? You know, drill down on that. What skills are associated with that gig? 
what can you translate those skills into something else? What do you like to do? Okay, that's great. What do you want to do? Do these paths intersect? Is there sustainable demand for what you do or want to do? And is there a path to profit? Like, you know, a lot of people will start a business and it may, it may take a few months to actually turn a profit on these things. You, know, you want to manage your costs so you're not $10,000 in debt, but, you know, like maybe spend $1,000, which for a lot of people is still a lot of money, but it's manageable. You know, it's like you've got to test the waters and there is an actual cost of doing business. And thankfully, it's only, you know, a few hundred dollars or maybe it's a thousand dollars as opposed to you know, opening up a brick and mortar location that draws no business whatsoever. And then you're really in it deep, especially if you have a franchise where you've paid a quarter million dollars just to open the doors. Yeah, you know, people don't want you know, vegetarian food and barbecue country. So it's like, you know, so the cost of doing a business is a lot lower now and you can test things to see what's going to work. And then, you know, also who's going to make those dreams come true? Like, you know, who do you need to partner with? What platforms do you need to work with to grow your business? And as you're developing your product and your brand, you have to think about, you know, who's your intended customer? What's your aesthetic? What's your origin story? What are your values? Because those soft arts matter just as much as the hard stuff. And it's like, you know, if I'm going to sell this, this product for, you know, uh, this, this makeup product for $50, you know, yes, there's actual benefits to that. I'm going to look prettier. And it's, it, it's, you know, it's, it's more than just, I'm going to look prettier. It's like, this is sustainable. It's uh, it's, 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 it's animal cruelty free. It's going to like support the environment. You know, what's the backstory on this? You think about, you know, listen headphones um, where a portion of the revenue goes to, you know, support uh, the hearing for children in third world countries or Tom shoes where, you know, you buy a pair and you give a pair to a kid in a third world country. There's a story behind that, that aligns with people's values now. So you have to work with these things as well when you're developing your product or service. You know, so there's, um, it's a lot of different ways to go with this absolutely, stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Scott. This was wonderful. You dropped so many gems and if nothing else, at least people have an idea and some tips around their marketing and how to market their business or even go out and look for opportunities to start a business. So Scott, where can people find you if they need to know more about you and learn more about what you offer? Sure, sure, sure. Okay, so the book is called Create Your Own Damn Job. You can find it on Amazon. It's a digital book. It's got well over 200 links to all these different opportunities. So you can just jump right into each thing and learn. And the book is only $4. Like I've intentionally kept that a very low price so that, you know, people, you know, are... It, you know, are just willing to jump in and like dig into future opportunities. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Scott Perry. Um, I forget the the link on um, uh, Facebook, but I tend to be a lot more active on, um, on, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. So yeah. And my website itself is called sperrymedia.com, S-P-E-R-R-Y media.com. And that's got, you know, a lot of like the bigger picture stuff that I do, you know, working with, you know, a lot of these, uh, film studios, TV networks, record labels, as well as some of my misadventures over the years. So it's all there. Um, but I thank you so much for having me on the show, Tiffany. This has been wonderful. Oh, thank you for being on the show. We love to highlight other entrepreneurs and other businesses around because at the end of the day, we found out that there are so many people out here doing such amazing things and it will inspire someone else to pick up the bootstraps and keep it going, right? <laughs> 100%. Because, you know, it's like if, 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 if the government can't create product, you know, projects to support, 
you know, people in, in these in, in, in these economic times, if you know, uh, corporations don't see you and your special powers, then it is you know, incumbent upon you to create your own future. And uh, hopefully this sets you on that path to do so. Awesome. Yes. Well, thank you so much, Scott. It was a pleasure having you on. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Thank you, Tiffany. You as well. Thank you for listening to the Money Talk with Tiff podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to moneytalkwitht.com. And while you're there, why not sign up for our newsletter so you'll never miss an episode? Talk to you soon. Thank you.